This is Defenders TV Podcast, episode 64, our Captain America Civil War spoiler-filled review. Uh, just so you know, I think I've mentioned it's 65 in the episode. This is episode 64. Uh, you can also see the episode up on YouTube if you just go to youtube.com and search for Defenders TV Podcast. You'll see the Captain America Civil War spoiler-filled podcast up there. Thanks so much for joining us. Welcome back, Defenders. This is Defenders TV Podcast, episode 65, our Captain America spoiler-filled podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Derek. Hi, I am one of your other hosts, John. Uh, Good to have you on board if you're uh, following us live now on YouTube. Um, And of course, this episode will be also put up uh, as a podcast. You can find that at DefendersTVPodcast.com forward slash iTunes, or you can go to any other Team Cap, Team Iron Man uh, podcast catcher. Just search Defenders TV Podcast, uh, and you can subscribe there, leave a review, uh, and follow and listen to the podcast all about Defenders TV Podcast, looking at both the MCU Marvel films, such mm-hmm. as this one, and or the Marvel Netflix um as you can see yeah. here, uh, shows Jones, yeah. uh, with Luke Cage starting this September. Absolutely, yeah. But this time we are here for probably the biggest Marvel movie of the year with uh, Captain America Civil War. Uh, one of the big things, obviously, I don't know how many times I can say it throughout the podcast. I think when we talk to Chris, our other co-host, who can't unfortunately be here for this podcast, he specifically said that for the first 20 minutes of the podcast, he'd just be shouting spoilers. <laughs> so I've written it at the bottom of the screen. Uh, underneath our names, Derek and John, uh, saying spoilers. So if you have not seen the movie, and we are, we understand obviously the movie isn't out in the US until uh, tomorrow with some previews today, uh, stop watching, come back after you've watched it, and hopefully you'll enjoy our thoughts uh, about the about the movie. Definitely. This is spoiler-filled, not spoiler-free. Absolutely. Spoiler-filled. <laughs> so uh, forewarning is forearmed against all uh, eventualities. So if you haven't seen it yet... Definitely uh, look away now, switch off now, and come back for uh, another time to listen to our thoughts and discussions on uh, Captain America Civil War. Remember, uh, we are... Our usual um, way of doing all of this is um, five discussion points, the good, the bad, um, and or the indifference, depending on how we feel about the film. And then we defend and or not that episode, or in this case, the movie mm-hmm. uh, Captain America Civil War. Absolutely, yeah. But we're going to change this up slightly to begin with. We normally ask kind of a general overview of uh, of the movie that we're covering or the TV show that we're covering. This time, I want to start it out with a kind of the big question for everybody going in. This uh, movie is based on the huge comic book event, Civil War, where you're asked which side are you on. You can see behind us, you can see one of the Civil War comic books. It's all about choose your side, which side are you on. Lots of hashtagging of Team Cap and Team Iron Man. John, to kick us off, which side were you on before you went in, or and did that change after you watched the film? You see, I am a sit on the fence kind of a person, really. Okay. Um, I, I was ultimately a, I think, a team Iron Man at, to begin with. Right. Um, my head says team Iron Man. Uh, I am a regulator, so I kind of <laughs> thought, yeah, you know, the Sokovia Accords, the uh, the, the need to make these um, superheroes accountable. That kind of rhymes with me, absolutely. Um, but there is something in my heart that also says uh, 
team cap, team Steve Rogers completely. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think it is one of those things that kind of sways a bit. Sometimes you do feel in the film for me that Captain America is a tad arrogant. I mean, he has every right to be. Right. He's saved the world countless times. He um, definitely uh, is doing it in his eyes for all the right reasons, Absolutely. and he distrusts the government. But um, And that made me kind of sway towards uh, Iron Man as well, really. Hmm. But um, certainly I would actually be going for a different type of a team here. Oh, really? Interesting. Interesting. A team Romanov, I think. Right, right. Very good. We'll get into that, I suppose, a little bit later on when we get into our points. Uh, for me, from the comic books... Hail Hydra. Hail Hydra, absolutely. Um, from, for me, from uh, a spoiler-free podcast, I mentioned particularly when Chris asked that question of us, um, I specifically said that you'll have some interesting opinions coming out of this film. Um, throughout the comic book run, the 120 issues or so that I read of the Civil War arcs and the connected comic books, I was always on the side of Team Cap. You're talking superhero comic books here. How can you tell them they have to go go along with the normal government and the normal way of doing things? What if the government are corrupt? What if the cops are corrupt? When how, Why are these superheroes not allowed to take them on? And that's absolutely how I went into this film. I'm Team Cap for life, Team Cap forever. But they made a great argument for Iron Man. If you delve into it, I'm, from here on, I'm telling you, we are going to go right into deep spoilers. So um, from from the beginning of the movie, uh, you kind of go, right, okay, there's an accident here that happens in the attack with uh, Rumlow, with, uh, with Crossbones. There's an accident here that happens where Scarlet Witch kills quite a lot of people by mistake. Yeah? Uh, right at the beginning of the yeah. film. This is what leads to, and I think we spoke about it on many of our podcasts from our Daredevil podcast or Age of Ultron podcast, what are the things that are going to cause the Civil War enactment, the enactment of the uh, the Sarkovia Accords? Um Sarkovia? It is yeah. Sarkovia. Thank yeah. you. Um, what's, what, what is it? Uh, and it turns out to be everything. It turns out to be the helicarriers over, over Washington, the uh, attack by the Chitari in New York, obviously Sarkovia dropping an entire city on top of hundreds of thousands of people, potentially. Uh, they didn't clear the area below. They did clear off the people from Sarkovia. And in this, what we find out is that Scarlet Witch has killed quite a lot of dignitaries from, um, from Wakanda. So, some really good positive reasons. Well, why they're, they're relief workers, aren't they? That's yeah. Right, yeah. And um, it's not just um, Lagos, though, where, where that accident happens. It is New York. Um, it is uh, Sokovia. Mm-hmm. And, like, and Washington. Completely. Yeah. It is Washington as well, yeah. And it yeah. is all to do with just killing loads of innocent bystanders. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, they're trying to save everyone as, as much as they can but it's almost impossible uh, to do that i mean if you bring down one of those huge uh, shatari um things the beasts that that went through the, the through space and and came through and were floating around the skyscrapers of new york and mm-hmm. um, when you bring one of those down uh, that's going to potentially cause um collateral damage yeah yeah certainly certainly so love the idea love the the incidents that happens and love that it's being brought out the way it is um for tony being brought into it obviously it's by the individual an individual who comes up to him and says that her son was killed um and he's the one that murdered them what are they going to do about it uh, that's what brings tony on the opposite side uh, to Cap and what pushes Cap to the opposite side really he was going to sign the, the accord at one point in the film he is going to sign it but what brings him on the other side is that everybody wants to take out the Winter Soldier wants to take out his best friend Bucky um, and that kind of puts it in a real personal side for him and I totally understand his argument I think they do a great job in this film of setting up the two arguments 
while you may come out as Team Ironman at the end and think that Cap, as you mentioned, is a bit uh, arrogant at times, uh, if you delve into Cap's storyline, you realize actually he's trying to protect a person that's been brainwashed, forced to do things against his will for over 50 years. Uh, and he's trying to protect that side of things. How, how can you make that a black and white issue is kind of Cap's idea, which is a bit stronger than in the comic books. Yeah, absolutely. And But I think as well, it goes beyond that. Cap is trying to save one person. Mm-hmm. Team Iron Man, he's trying to save all innocent people. Right. Um, and actually, um, you know, as we go through the podcast, there is um, the, the notion of being framed for the Winter Soldier for certain activities and, and uh, terrorist activities in in this film. Yeah. Um, so that ultimately, Team Iron Man would be on the side of Winter Soldier once he has that evidence and that information. Yeah. I think with... Um, Team Cap, it is just way too personal. Mm-hmm. And I think that blurs his perspective. Um, it makes him as well seem slightly selfish, maybe, because he is looking out for him and his friend. I think Team uh, Iron Man, he's maybe the social democracy of it going on, where he is he's looking after all the innocent, right. the ordinary person, not the superhero or supervillain or super in between, like the Winter Soldier, quite frankly, is. He's looking after the guy who was there in Sokovia or should have been looking after the guy in Sokovia on a relief yeah. sort of voluntary service overseas, who's then killed by essentially this huge chunk of rock falling down on him. Yeah. Of course, we don't see any of that in Age of Ultron. But the point is, is that um, Iron Man is confronted by his mum. And it's that personal story, that personal responsibility that he then feels. And that, to me, um, is why I would be uh, Team Iron Man. Mm-hmm. Um, but it gets slightly more complicated than Absolutely. that. And I think we'll talk about that as we move yeah, into I, I, the five discussion points. Absolutely. I don't think we're going to settle our hashtag Team Cap or hashtag team iron man uh discussion just now maybe we'll get maybe we'll come back to it at the end of our podcast maybe we'll uh, have different opinions at the end um as we as john mentioned up front we do cover our podcasts and any of our episodes with our top five points could be good could be bad could be somewhere in between um but what we're going to do is go into who it is that wrote and directed the movie first and then john will take us on to a synopsis um so this movie once again was directed by the wonderful anthony russo and joe russo who directed uh, the last captain america winter soldier film and are going to be going on to direct uh, avengers infinity war yeah absolutely uh, up. i'm really excited to see i that. hope they can really change my mind on thanos absolutely i reckon they they could do I think so. um absolutely so i'm 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 slightly looking forward to it a bit more than I was. Yeah, one of the things I'll definitely call out right up front here, uh, the direction and writing in this film really does take account of all of the characters because them all something to do, which I think is going to be really necessary in the, the uh, Infinity War films, uh, which may have their name changed, we heard today. Uh, they could have their name changed to something else, but they are the next two Avengers movies going to be directed by the Russos. Uh, the movie was... Written by Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely. Uh, fans or listeners of our show uh, will probably know those names because we mentioned them many, many times during our podcasts about Agent Carter season one. Absolutely. Two. Yeah, they're the creators of Agent Carter. Uh, they were involved in uh, all three films so far um, for, from the Civil, sorry, from the Civil War side, from the Captain America side, the, uh, the first Avenger, uh, Winter Soldier, and obviously 
currently civil war. Um, so they do have a, a huge amount of, I suppose, bias in a way, but a huge amount of uh, involvement in the character and creation of Captain America, as we've seen him so far uh, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Absolutely. And whilst we're talking about uh, Peggy Carter, uh, I think we should say renew Agent Carter. Absolutely. Uh, loved the two seasons that we've had so far. Amazing that that was born out of Captain America, the first Avenger. Uh, really, really good. Show very different type of Marvel show, uh, complementary as well, I think, mm-hmm. um, and really to have that range of different types of shows within uh, the Marvel TV universe, as well as then yeah. complementing the the cinematic universe. Absolutely, well. and, and not to take away from Tara Butters and Michelle Fazekas, who were the showrunners for Agent Carter, uh, Feely and uh, Marcus were the the creators of the character and kind of handed it over to. Uh, to those to the two wonderful showrunners to uh, to set up those two seasons. But John, do you want to tell us what McFeely and Marcus gave us for this particular movie? I sure will. After the chaos and loss of New York and the Shatari, and then Sokovia and Ultron, a new incident in Lagos calls into question the role of the Avengers and their place in the world. The international community, led by the country of Wakanda, begin to finalise new rules of engagement for the Avengers, the Sokovia Accords, that look to monitor and control the Avengers, and the increasing number of superhumans. But this new treaty only spreads discord among the Avengers. Tony Stark supports oversight, while Steve Rogers, distrustful of the government's motives, seeks to remain free to act as the team deemed necessary. However, as tensions rise between the Avengers, a new and personal perspective comes into play for Captain America that only hardens his resolve against the Accords. As new companions are asked to fight and join opposing sides, an unknown enemy lurks in the shadows, intent on revealing a disturbing legacy from the Soviet era that looks set to cause civil war. Nice. Good job, John. Good job boiling that down into a reasonably spoiler-free uh, piece. I think yeah, I could probably I use so. that on our on our website when we put it here. I hope so. Notes. Yeah. I try my best. Absolutely. Uh, and by the way, our little uh, blue line above our Defenders TV podcast is no indication that we're a Captain America uh, supporter uh, completely. I just could I have it. only just noticed that, yeah. and quite frankly, it should be red. <laughs> I couldn't get a blue and red one. So, uh, so not only is it Team do. Captain America, but it is also Team Everton FC, which is even worse. <laughs> lovely, lovely. Uh, and this is obviously just for our UK listeners, so most people will get that as well. Well done. Um, (laughs) (laughs) or it could be Leicester City you know at the end of the day, they've just won the Premiership. That is true. That is true. But anyway, congratulations, by the way. Enough for football. That's yeah, absolutely. That's the first football conversation Two teams waging war in an epic battle for a nil-nil draw. <laughs> absolutely. You know? this, is, this is probably the first and longest football conversation we've had in 65 <laughs> episodes of our podcast. Yeah, ever. <laughs> uh, absolutely. But I'm going to kick off my first point because it really does take off right from the beginning of the, of the movie. Um, the big question for a lot of people coming into this, is this going to be Avengers 2.5 or is this going to be a Captain America movie? Um I want to say straight off the bat, this is a Captain America movie. Um, we did end Age of Ultron with the creation of the new Avengers, led by uh, Captain America, obviously, featuring uh, Scarlet Witch, featuring uh, mm-hmm. War Machine, yeah. uh, all of the team there uh, at the end of the movie with Falcon as well. Um, I'm trying to think there was one other person, Vision, of course, um, where he was leading the team. Uh, they are going on the attack and on the offensive in Lagos at the start of this movie uh, in South Africa. 
Uh, and they are chasing down. The reason why they're going on the offensive is they're chasing down Brock L- Rumlow, who is alive after the building collapsed on him in Civil War. On his face, no less. Absolutely <laughs> awesome, but um, but burnt to a crisp. Uh, we did see him alive at the end of uh, the last Captain America movie. He is a well-known character within, within the Captain America comic books uh, for a specific reason that I don't really want to spoil for anybody. Um, but he but is, this is a spoiler. I know, but for a specific reason in the comic books that I want to spoil. But I would say go out and read uh, the Civil War arc and mm. the... Uh, the something of Captain America arc that follows Civil War. There you go. Um, but Crossbones is the main character that features in in those books, kind of one of the main villains that features in those books. And that is what we see in Brock, Brock, Brock Rumlow. That's quite difficult to say. Um, but what I have to say is I love his costume in this. He gets a proper costume with the skull on his face. That was um, cool. Showing exactly yeah. that he is... Uh, he is this villain crossbones. Um, the opening scene I thought was fantastic. The fight sequences were really good. Uh, the one thing I would say was a little later on in the film, the jump cuts do get a lot better. So at the beginning of the film, I thought the jump cutting here in the fight scenes, probably because there's so many, you know, they're actors at the end of the day. They're, they've got stunt doubles, so they are trying to cover off a lot of, uh, a lot of probably uh, connections between the stunt doubles and the actors. Um, so not all of it. You can see the fighting. You can see, obviously, there's moments that Black Widow does that no human could do unless they <laughs> ha- are a stunt double and trained a stunt double for many years. Um, so I could see I could see why some of hers were covered up. And obviously Cap himself, you know, Steve Rogers has a great fighting style, but I don't know whether all of that's going to be Chris Evans, uh, to be honest. No, probably not. I mean, you know, they must have to use stunt doubles like, at a large scale. Mm-hmm. There is so much action in this film, it, it beggars belief. I mean, at least three huge fight scenes, yeah. um, you know, and a lot of rough and tumble. Absolutely. And we're going to talk about them all because I love them. They're really, really good. There's, one, there's a couple ones that I want to talk about later on, uh, specifically connected to our podcast, which I think is a, a nice little touch uh, for us. But, um, yeah, the, the whole idea of, of them taking down uh, Crossbones being on a mission is quite cool for, for the new Avengers. Great great to see them together on a mission. And, unfortunately, it does end in absolute tragedy as the youngest member of the team, the one that's switched over from being a villain in Age of Ultron, Scarlet Witch, uh, unfortunately, Wanda does cause the big explosion, as I, as I mentioned earlier on, uh, killing lots of aid workers. Yeah, so, but, I mean, tr- ultimately trying to save um, the explosion from going off, but she moves it and loses control. Yeah. But yeah, I really liked um, Crossbones here. I thought it was really good to get um, uh, Brock Rumlow back uh, into this this uh, movie. Mm-hmm. You know, he was there previously. He was, you know, kind of the hidden sleeper Hydra agent um, within S.H.I.E.L.D. That's in right. Winter Soldier that obviously reveals his uh, true colours eventually. Um, absolutely. Uh, agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm-hmm. Derek O'Neill. And... Um, so I just thought it was really nice to to have him back, and I loved the fact as well that he, um, you know, he he makes uh, Captain America lose his concentration for a real split second, and hence why uh, Scarlet Witch has to come in yeah. uh, to uh, save the day, and it goes all wrong. But I love the fact that you know he does understand and know uh, Captain America. He is kind of the antithesis here, and um, and you know he he's kind of playing for time. Uh, he, he's, I love the fact that his face is all kind of squashed, melted, yeah. and he says, 
it's not bad considering a heli carrier and a building uh, fell on my face. Yeah. Um, but he does. He mentions uh, Bucky, mm-hmm. uh, and it, it just distracts Captain America for for long enough, and um, to the point where Brumlow is able to sort of try and counter Captain America, uh, and it ends in absolute disaster. And it really then is the real big sort of uh, starting gun for this this movie it's Absolutely. really good and again some great action sequences of them running after um the 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 members of Brumlow's team of Crossbones team <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and and tracking them down Absolutely I love that you call him Brumlow as if he's from Birmingham uh, Brock Brumlow well, yeah, maybe. <laughs> but I do want to call out one little uh, spo- one little uh, not spoiler easter egg that was in that scene in there which is Falcon's um little piece of equipment the little yeah, bird that flies out uh, that's Red Wing in the comic books Red Wing is an actual falcon uh, that is that is uh, and controlled by um, by Hawkeye, by Hawkeye. Sorry, apologies. Uh, that's controlled by Falcon. Uh, it's an actual Falcon that he uh, that he sends out to do his, his bidding. It's called Red Wing. So I like that they kept that in with this new uh, metallic, or I suppose Iron Man created this one as well. Yeah, this was a cool bit of kit actually, yeah, um, flying around and tracking them all. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. nice to have on your side, I reckon. Definitely, um, definitely. So. So that's my first point, John. Do you want to take us on to yours? Yeah, my um, first point, I'm going to kick off with the Team Romanov um, aspect to um, oh, yes. what I was talking about right at the start. Mm. Um, as I say, I think initially I was definitely uh, Team uh, Iron Man. I, I don't know. It, it feels right uh, for me. But having said that, uh, Captain America is truth, justice, and and all those different uh, notions as well. And something there that I, I was genuinely torn between the two. Um, you know, um, the, there's nothing like a good bit of oversight to control. Um, maybe you know some things that do need to to be controlled. Yeah. Um, certainly powerful beings. I mean, now you've got Scarlet Witch and Vision. Um, a lot more sort of dangerous, powerful that than Captain America. So like I really liked Romanov's here because she she's the middle. She too is like, say, the general audience. The general audience, if you're not like absolutely firmly Team Cap or Team Iron Man, um you're probably just gonna go, well, go with one or the other for for various reasons. But maybe you're actually sitting on the fence and actually as the film plays out, well, who is it? And I like that um, Scarlett Johansson's character, um, Black Widow, uh, Romanov, that she she is torn between the two just like maybe uh, the audience are. That She's friends with both of them. She's worked with both of them. Mm -hmm. She respects both of them. And she has to make a decision. Ultimately, she comes down on... Iron Man, but then I love the the aspect in the big um, the hangar at the airport where uh, Black Panther, who is chasing after um, Bucky Barnes, Winter Soldier, that um, she stops him from actually capturing him. Yeah, and it, it, it's kind of the phrase of "I may be on your side, but I didn't say I'd I'd help you catch them." You know, she she's kind of helping both sides, and I, I think ultimately that's where I would have been. I definitely think. You know, Captain America, way too personal on this, but he also has a valid point. So for me, I I loved uh, the Black Widow in this. Um, I just thought she was really good. I I think she's um, she had a really nice role in, in this film, which was that halfway house. It was the audience's way in, and to me, it worked. I think this was probably the best um part of. 
the Black Widow character that I think we've seen mm. in, in the Marvel movies so far. Right. Uh, I just thought it was really, really good. It wasn't just simply her getting into fast cars or, or kind of doing those one-off quips, which are fine. That's fine. But I, this, she really, I think, was the audience's way into supporting both these superheroes. Yeah, what I, what I love about, about Romanoff is that she was very central in Iron Man 2. She was very central in Winter Soldier, working with Captain America, you know, dealing, helping him out when he was trying to escape the law, trying to escape the Hydra agents that were chasing him down, you know. Uh, so she has had a very central part to play between these two main characters. And I do love the cutting remark from Tony after she lets uh, Cap and Bucky escape, uh, where he effectively says, um, do you find, I, I, I presume you find duplicity so easy since you've always played the double agent, you, just, you find it too yeah, hard absolutely. to let it go, you know. A great moment because she she is going with her gut, which she tends to do very well. It is a, a great part for Scott Johansson. I'm delighted that she gets this because she does feel a little bit sidelined sometimes. Um, she's been around in the cinematic universe since, as I said, Iron Man 2, which is, you know, almost every single film now. Uh, she's yeah. had some part to play within within them in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So it's great to get, to get her and give her... A good bit of uh, a good bit of meaty dialogue and good bit of uh, meaty um, thought-provoking moments within this film, really. Uh, but that's what they do really well, I think. Uh, McFeely and and, uh, and uh, Marcus. I'm going to have to look down at my sheet every time I say their name so I can actually see them. Uh, but but I think that's what they do really well. I think they do uh, kind of latch onto characters and give them great moments. Uh, definitely, yeah, definitely. Almost every character has yeah. a great moment. I want to talk about one of them um, myself for my next point, sure. uh, if that's all right. Uh, which Fire is, away. Which is hot. Okay, uh, Clint Barton. Um, he didn't get a great moment in Avengers, and a lot of people were really hating on his characterization in the movie because he was treated as um, as a background character. He was, he was uh, under the control of Loki throughout the film and didn't get many of his kind of quips or his kind of attitudes that people would have expected from the comic books. He's got a great run at the moment. Uh, I think it was just finished quite recently uh, in the comic books, a, a really good one to go out and check out. Um, but what they've done with him in Age of Ultron being, again, giving him a backstory with a wife and kids, uh, and this time now taking that on another step further uh, where he is... He, effectively is given the option to either sign the accord or retire and he decides to retire he decides to just step out of it he says this isn't for me uh, rather than actually saying no at the beginning he doesn't join team cap he just says well i don't want to be involved if i have to be um if i have to be followed by uh, the government if i have to just become another member of the army effectively is what he's saying yeah um i'm going to step out of it and then he goes and joins Team Cap when he realizes Cap's plight and Cap's argument. I love that he's given some really meaty moments in this. He, it's Hawkeye versus Vision. That's something you really don't expect a guy no. with some, a bow and arrow. And it works. <laughs> it was fab, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, it really works. It works as a fight. Uh, it, you can see that he's thinking about things. I love that he has every single type of arrow that can do everything in that little, uh, little quiver of his. Really feels like Green Arrow from uh, from the DC comic books, where he's got loads of different options in his in his quiver and uses but them. But better. But better. Yeah, better than the TV show version, obviously. <laughs> Sorry. No offense to, uh, to anybody that loves Arrow, but uh, I think season four is probably, uh, I think we're done. At this stage, yeah. Um, and no, I just meant I prefer the comic book character. Okay, great. Uh, but then he also gets a great moment towards the end of the movie where he gets to stand up 
to oh, Tony Stark. Um, and, you know, he, he effectively announces the arrival of Tony Stark with applause saying, the futurist is here. Do you like what you've done to your team and your friends? We're all behind bars. Is that what you wanted, Tony? Um, a great moment for him as a character because it's, it's something that he doesn't get. He generally has been a bit subservient, obviously being in control by Loki, uh, doesn't help, but he is an agent of shield as well, or was an agent of shield. So he always was the person yeah. that took the orders. And um, so nice to see a different side of him. I thought it was a really good side of him to play. I mean, the, the whole going to the farm and all that in, in Age of Ultron just seemed a bit odd to me. Yeah. And I, I really liked his involvement here, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, I really also, I was kind of fairly um, taken aback that they put them in prison and locked them up. Mm. I wasn't expecting that. I oh, kind of right. was expecting yeah. um, kind of more of what we got at the airport. Uh, to have them essentially um, then all locked up, I thought was like, a shock. I wasn't expecting it. And for, for Captain America then to, to, to be, um, sort of still on the run and Iron Man coming down and really kind of, you know, trying to, I suppose, get them to sign the accord yeah. still. But, uh, yeah, I wasn't expecting them to kind of get locked up and get captured mm. uh, in that way, definitely. So that is, that is absolutely from Civil War. That is, uh, that is what happens to you if you don't sign the accords and they catch you, you would be in prison. So a little bit of shorthand here. It's kind of something that happened. Again, it's 100 issues. I think it's the whole 110, something like that, is the whole run of comic books. So it didn't happen very often, but you do get quite big characters who don't sign the accords, who are captured, put in prison. Um, there's a lot of super villains that are put in prison uh, and then eventually released to join the Thunderbolts, I think, is that's where the creation of that came from. Um, but it's not the raft. I think the raft was the initial housing place, but you can't house a lot of superheroes in a standard security prison so they create not, not much yeah they create another dimension uh, that's maybe what would have happened if we had fantastic four in uh, in the marvel cinematic universe but yeah that was one of my points just uh, just obviously the de- the dealing of hawkeye uh, in in the movie um john do you want to take us on to the next yeah one? i'm gonna bring on to another big character and that is the atat no, I obviously mean Spider-Man, <laughs> but also the Atat, right. because the Atat reference here, um, for me, encapsulated uh, Spider-Man right. and that whole thing at um, the airport, him fighting and essentially talking all the way through it. I loved Brilliant. it. The, the, the chitter chatter, all of that. Absolutely thought it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I love that he's swinging through, shooting his web all over the place. And he just says, you know, that old film, what's it called? And it's like, you know, Empire Strikes Back. I mean, here we definitely have Star Wars, um, and, uh, and Marvel combined through yeah. Disney to, to really, uh, p- cross pollinate all these different properties. But I love that asset reference and for me it it really summed up spider-man as he's fighting making like real quips and and jokes and and unknowingly kind of really just um rubbing people up the wrong way to an extent Mm -hmm. not in a bad way but just you know what do you mean old you know it's like i was thinking the same thing i was going that's exactly what i would have said as well to uh spider-man that played really really well by tom holland Mm -hmm. definitely brings a much younger uh, feel to uh, cl- um, to Peter Parker. I was going to mm-hmm. say Clark Kent for a minute. I was like, going, oh, completely wrong <laughs> uh, universe, even uh, wrong property. Um, but definitely, um, I thought it was 
really good how he brought sort of a, an innocence uh, maybe a naivety if you will yeah. um, and, and just oh, an honesty that honesty that comes along as well I really really enjoyed it um, and I thought that was excellent and I mean certainly as well just the at reference we have the flip side of that another big thing mm-hmm. um, and that is Ant-Man goes big yes like Loved it. All these things combined for me into one super duper scene uh, with Ant Man, who I thought was I loved. Uh, um, just the again the quips coming out out of them. The two of them there, really really cool. Loved it. Yeah, I have to say, Paul Rudd. It's, yeah. He's such a weird character in this film, and I, I've seen loads of interviews with him leading up to the movie <laughs> where he's kind of saying nobody really talked to him that much. He's kind of left out a bit. That's total play acting. That's that's Paul Rudd. He just seems to have such a fun time in a completely different way to Tom Holland, uh, obviously being the older kind of character. I love his first introduction to Captain America with, um, I'm shaking your hand too long, I'm a tight. Oh, I know you as well. Uh, that's really good fun. Um, and, and Ant-Man, while it wasn't a hugely successful film, we did cover it on the podcast. You can go back and listen to episode 32, I think, or 35, something like that. Um we we did really enjoy it overall, and ah, particularly yeah. Paul Rudd's performance in that movie was great. Um, it really does bring out a good quippy kind of side to him. I love the whole idea that he gets the biggest moment, as everybody has underlined in all of the reviews for uh, for Civil War. He gets the biggest moment in Civil War just because they bring in Giant Man. Yeah, um, literally, he gets the biggest moment. Exactly. Yeah. Hey, hey, now we get the um, joke. Absolutely um, loved that. I just thought it was so good. I've tried it once. Um, you know, I passed out after I'd done it in the yeah. bath. Was it? No, no, just no, in, in, the lab, in the lab. That was it. In the lab. Yeah. So really enjoyed that, but. You do. You have not taken my point, but obviously you can't talk about this movie without talking about Spider-Man. He's such a huge character in this. And I was really surprised. I went to see the um, the premiere of it in Ireland, uh, which was on two weeks ago. Um, really, really enjoyed seeing it with the premiere. Full, a room full of comic book fans, of comic book shop owners, of uh, of press, that kind of stuff. But going to see that movie for the first time where people had not really heard a huge amount about Spider-Man's involvement, they'd seen the trailer a bit and were hoping for something good. The opening scene where we see Tony in the apartment with Peter Parker uh, and half uh, May, um, <laughs> which which has has its great, great moments to uh, it. I loved it. Uh, but by the end of that scene, after Spider-Man has explained why he does what he does and why he wants to continue doing what, he, what he's doing, uh, at, at the end of that, without any mention of... With great power comes great responsibility, which I was really expecting to roll off his roll off his tongue at some point. Uh, he doesn't mention that, but explains really well why Spider Man does what he does. Uh, right after that moment, the audience rose up in applause um, yeah. to praise this version of Spider Man. Um, it feels like a different Spider Man. I know everybody has a favorite now. There's been tons of them. Uh, at this stage, we're on to our third version of Spider-Man in the cinematic universe. So yeah. um, so look, it's only 10 minutes or 15 minutes in the film, but he makes such an impression. Yeah. Uh, it really reminds me of the Spider-Man I loved when I was younger and uh, Spider-Man I still love now. Uh, really, really good version of the character. I love uh, the correction from from Falcon when he's saying, you know, I don't know how many fights you've been in before, but people don't usually talk this much. Um, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> no. I thought that was so good. Uh, when Tony Stark is, is saying to him, can you just shut up? This isn't the time for conversation. Uh, when he's given the, the salute to Cap America, yeah, you know, there's some really great moments. Cool. And one also... Wonderful one, and the reason why we have our civil war uh, picky up behind us. If you're if you're watching us over on YouTube, the reason why we have that up there, Spider Man is unmasked in this film, which I really really like. But it's not a big point. 
Um, that was a huge point in Civil War that yeah. Spider-Man would come out from the shadows after 30 years or probably five years of comic book history uh, after 30 years and reveal himself to the public. I love the little touch in here after the battle in the airport uh, where he's lying on the ground with his mask off. So he has actually revealed who he is to all the other people around and nobody else is wearing masks yeah, the whole time absolutely. through that fight, are they? Yeah. Um, so everybody knows who everybody else is except for him and he's left on the ground with the mask half off. So I like that little touch uh, just to kind of a little nod to the unmasking, but it wasn't necessary in the film. They didn't need to do a no. big, he stands up in front of the public and goes, this is who I am. That wasn't necessary. No. But yeah, absolutely loved how they dealt with that with Spider-Man in this film. Really, really enjoyed it. And what did you think of the the suit? The suit was fantastic, and I yeah. love the way it was the way it was treated. So we have our our YouTube videos of uh, Spider Man swinging through the streets, um, which turn out to actually be Tony Stark's footage of him. Uh, and then Tony does exactly what he does in the com- comic books. He builds him the Iron Spider suit, effectively, but it actually looks like much more like the comic book version of Spider Man. Yeah, I love the the Nuggety one that he pulls out from under um, his his the, wardrobe. The roof. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, from the roof, I loved that. Um, I loved. Um, Reminded me of Kick-Ass and the fact that, you know, he's gone uh, to this trouble to make his own costume. Mm-hmm. Uh, loved that. I love just the whole banter between him and Iron Man in uh, Aunt May's apartment. Mm-hmm. Uh, even just down to uh, uh, Tony Stark spitting out her Dayton and Walnut loaf um, after complimenting her and saying... I've had better. Like, I mean, that's total Tony Stark. <laughs> well, um, it's the best, best date and walnut loaf he's yeah. ever had, which is insane. It's yeah. just <laughs> really, really good. Yeah. I, I loved all that, mm-hmm. you know, and just the fact that he knows as well. He absolutely knows yeah. um, about young Peter Parker and what he's up to. Mm-hmm. Loved it. Yeah, yeah, very, very cool. And he gets top to bottom upgrade. So right, right the way through, this is the upgrade. I love the idea of having the uh, the lenses in his uh, in his mask that are um, that are able to help him focus. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Uh, and we get not web shooters coming from his wrists, created web shooters that Peter Parker created himself, exactly like in the comic books. Really yeah. cool that this isn't uh, this isn't part of the um, of the spider bite that he got this is something that he's created himself because of uh, all the other abilities that he's got so uh, really really cool they're keeping to that to that canon really excited to see what's going to happen in in spider-man homecoming uh, which is uh, coming up very soon i'm sure yeah uh, john do you want to take us on away from the spiders and the ants yeah i'm gonna move away from the the good guys mm-hmm. uh, to the bad guys oh yes or to the Maybe you could argue the lack of bad guys. Um, but what I I had an issue with Ant Man, um, the film, mm-hmm. and it was my primary issue really. And after that, I loved Ant Man, but I thought the villain was pretty uh, tropey, pretty. Um, right. To quote uh, Chris, Chris. Our, our fellow podcaster, <laughs> who can't actually be here uh, today, but um, you know, he was you know he was this muhahaha kind of. Uh, villain yeah. um you know it was the the motives and all of this were fairly obscure um and i i just didn't gel with the villain and i love um the actor who i can't remember his name now but obviously he was in house of cards in in season one and yeah. um, and great in that absolutely was really looking forward to it and i just thought um you know the villain w- wasn't the best part about that film at all mm-hmm. but here i loved the bad Guy and guys. I love the fact that the bad guys ultimately could have been any side 
Team Cap, Team Iron Man, depending on which side you came down on. Very true. I love the fact that it was um, the group and this internal uh, conflict and fight that they were beginning to get into. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was the protagonist. And well, sort of, I say the antagonist in this movie yeah. was these internal tensions and conflicts between different members of this up till now really close team. You know, Exactly. What's civil about war anyway? Kind of thing. This is fantastic. Quote you know, Guns and Roses. Quote Guns and Roses. <laughs> you know, pitting um, friend against friend. It is, you know, one of the the, the sadder aspects is a civil war because of that family against family, Absolutely. friend against friend, brother against brother, sister against sister, all of that. And this really caught the essence of that for me uh, in these uh, tensions that are kept on rising between uh, Team Cap and Team uh, Iron Man. And I think the other aspect that I loved then was with Zemo, played by Daniel Bruhl um, from Rush. So he has also acted against um, with Thor before. That's right. In, in that movie about the Formula One uh, legend, uh, and uh, he played Nicky Lauda. But that's right. Um, excellent, excellent. I absolutely loved him as the villain. Understated, a rational reason maybe of of revenge and vengeance in that he lost his family. Um, he works his way through, um, he says, L- more powerful, greater men than me have pulled down, have tried to pull down the Avengers and failed. Um, you know, what better way um, than to let them destroy each other from within? Absolutely. Like, fantastic, which means he has to be on the sidelines. You don't know his motives. He lurks in the dark. Um, I mean... Quite frankly, up until the final scene, when he gets into, um, there's this huge Soviet era bunker in, in Siberia, yeah. and it's where the Winter Soldier project um, had been. It's where the, um, the 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 pouches of whatever was contained in them they look blue actually I think it's Captain America's blood that's it it's the it's the serum uh, infused blood it's isn't the it the final the final batches of it that Howard Stark was carrying with them uh, that we yeah. read about in in Ant-Man. and. We have this situation where you think he's actually going to get the other Winter Soldiers. Yeah. So there's about five or six other Winter Soldiers. And we see this story play out um, in, in flashback through through this film. And in fact, the film starts with, with that. Mm. And he goes in and he shoots them in the head. Yeah. That is not his motive. His motive is pure, plain and simple uh, revenge. Uh, and it's understated yet terrifying. And that is what I, I loved about um, uh, Daniel Bruhl in, in this, um, yeah. as, as Zemo. I, I loved his delivery of the line, which yeah. is, did, did you think I wanted more of you? Is that what you think I wanted? Look what you did to my life kind of thing. Delivers it so well. It's a really passionate uh, character. While we see, you know, he's, he's almost like a, um, a, born, uh, a born identity kind of villain. He's one of those kind of characters that could fit in with any of those type of films, a really good conspiracy uh, movie. Um, but he works really well here. And this is why I feel it does work so well as a Captain America film rather than as an Avengers film. He's not a supervillain coming from another planet or uh, coming from another realm. Or uh, He's not the big bad. He isn't this big bad. He's absolutely. not Thanos. He's not the Shatari. Mm-hmm. He, he's not Loki. Uh, these big bads that actually only the Avengers can take down. 
the FBI, uh, you know, the New York police could have gotten this guy. Absolutely. The 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 Austrian uh, police, you know, he he's the one that frames Bucky Barnes that ultimately helps split apart um, the Avengers here by making it personal for Absolutely. for Captain America to really harden his resolve against. Mm. Um, fighting the the signing of the the Sokovia Accords so he he really um is fantastic because it didn't require superheroes to stop him absolutely and um, and that's what is great about this um this villain yeah. Zemo in uh in this movie absolutely. definitely yeah it, like it, it absolutely feels like he's, he's essentially a terrorist he's trying to set two armies against each other uh, by yeah. creating some conflict between the two of them. The armies that he's trying to actually set against each other are the world versus the Avengers, and then ends off breaking the Avengers against each other, and then internal fighting, and we find that that was his plan all along, which I love. I think that's yeah. it's, it's such such a great idea for a bad guy, and I don't know how they would top it in the future. I don't know how they do it in Captain America 4. Uh, how do you create another villain as, as kind of manipulative and interesting as that character? Right, who, who knows? Yeah. I mean... You know, the other thing is he, he's intent on this record from, is it 1961, 1964? 1991, wasn't it? No, the, the video coverage of. The Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. 1991, it? It was yeah. It 91. Okay, yeah. I thought it was... Okay, fair enough. Um, this... Um, he's intent on this record from the files of whatever, the KGB, the Soviet area facility, and he's looking for them. And this is what ultimately, on the brink of maybe uh, Team Cap, Team Iron Man, coming back together, resolving their oh. differences, it just splits it apart even further. And mm-hmm. Okay, we'll come to what's actually on that tape um a little later i think that's I think one of your straight points into it now, well exactly point, yeah. um but i think just finally on, on zemo i think just the way he at the end um is essentially brought into custody so he, he's still alive mm-hmm. um, but he's brought into custody um by um t'challa the black panther and T'Challa has been seeking out revenge on on Bucky Barnes for the entire film because yeah. he thinks that Bucky is responsible for the death of his father, mm. the former king of Wakanda. So, um, and he's intent on killing him. Absolute vengeance, a non, no justice, not bringing him in f- to the the law for a trial. This is about he will get killed. And with Zemo, he doesn't do that. He mm-hmm. actually says, I understand where you're coming from. Um, I, too, have looked for vengeance yeah. and, and revenge killing. Um, and so he, in this instance, then, does essentially bring him in for uh, for trial and being put in prison. So I, I really like the, the kind of ending. Again, it wasn't mm-hmm. a death. It wasn't him falling back over a cliff. This was... Quite again understated because the big battle is internally between um, the Avengers and, and this understated um, battle, um, sorry, or arrest by T'Challa, yeah. um, leading to Zemo um, being put away um, somewhere in, in a similar um, box that uh, Bucky Barnes was. Exactly the yeah. same. Yeah, exactly the same thing. I like that they had the option. There, uh, where they have Daniel Brühl uh, and his and his version of Zemo putting the gun to his head uh, and being stopped by T'Challa, he was very close to killing himself off, and that would be the end of the character. It's the kind of thing you would see in some other uh, circles or some other movies, excuse me. Um, but it, I like that they they kind of bring it back to T'Challa's story and bring it back to the uh, I see you're being eaten up inside by vengeance. 
uh, so was I, but I'm going to stop that cycle now uh, and move on effectively. I thought that was really, really yeah, good. Yeah, really good. Yeah. So, Derek, yeah, it can does. I ask what your next point yeah, is? Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring this one back to our podcast for fans or for listeners. I keep calling you fans. You're not fans. You're listeners. Uh, delighted to have <laughs> you around, of course. Um, but for listeners of our podcast, you'll know that we covered two full seasons of Agent Carter. We mentioned it earlier on in the podcast. I just wanted to pull out quickly here. <clears throat> A very sad moment for me watching this in the cinema. I was I, I was kind of torn up by this, uh, almost in the same way as something like Lord of the Rings, uh, the, the the Fellowship of the Ring, where we lost Gandalf. Spoilers for Fellowship of the Ring. Um, but <laughs> well, Boromir. I must Boromir say, I well. thought that was quite emotional. Absolutely. And in this movie, we've lost two of our major characters that we followed throughout <laughs> two seasons. I know uh, of Agent Carter. We lost Agent Carter in her sleep. Don't get a moment with her. And we lost Howard Stark in the biggest scene, which I know you're going to take as one of your points later on. But um, these, losing these two characters, having the kind of end of their era, uh, while they are, you know, in their 60s um, at this stage or 70s, I think at this stage, um, it's still the end of an era. I know that, you know, Peggy was obviously in for the first Avenger. She did survive and live long enough to be in um Captain America Winter Soldier and now we see her funeral in this movie but we've also spent a long amount of time with the character in those two seasons of uh, Agent Carter and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. so it was just a really sad moment to have to have it but I like that it pulled and grounded mm. Captain America back Absolutely. to his moment uh, back to his time you know back to his friends and, and, and kind of brought that resolve in which does kind of a little bit of an addendum to the point I suppose is the proper introduction of Sharon Carter in this film. So Sharon Carter is huge for the Captain America character in the comic books. She's really big. Uh, she was in, obviously, um, Winter Soldier uh, as his neighbor and uh, the agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. that was spying on him, Agent 13. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk about that one, I'm sure. Uh, but I love that it does connect the character. I think there was some kind of idea that maybe this isn't Sharon Carter, maybe it's a niece or maybe it's a uh, maybe it's a, a daughter potentially or a granddaughter or something like that. I love that it's firmly established here and she gets a very Peggy Carter line in her eulogy for her aunt uh, at, at Peggy Carter's funeral. Um, I think in another world this could have been a line that was given to um, Haley Atwell to say maybe in a flashback with Captain America in one of their wartime raids yeah. it might have been a line that she would have said um, but I love that it's delivered by Sharon Carter it gives her something really important and really uh, I suppose a real good character development for her that she is very similar to her aunt you know how did you get to the position that you're in in those days when women had these kind of struggles and it was uh, if people let you do things Say it's, it's say that's okay. If people stand in your way, don't allow them. If you feel you're right, that's when you're a tree. Don't let them run over you. Um, you stand there like the trunk of a tree. Be strong in your opinions and in your beliefs. I love that that's a moment because it really does feel like something Haley Atwell's Peggy Carter would have said. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I suppose if you're your team Iron Man, you could say you know obstinate um, or mm. you know stubborn. Um, but it gives or, it gives stumping <laughs> stumping maybe. Um, but, but it does give Steve his resolve. Um, it does, and that's the great um, driver on that. I mean, it is kind of one of my points actually with regards to to Peggy uh, getting buried here, mm. um, and also what happens to Howard Stark as well. You know, as you say, we have here the timeline for Howard and Peggy is finished. Yeah. And um, that's them. Um, we, we've seen Peggy's start in, in Captain America, uh, the first Avenger, and, and now we have her end. Um, and, and to me, 
this is why I'm going to put it out there now. I think the Captain America trilogy in this Marvel Cinematic Universe has been, for me, the best um, three films. I, I love Iron Man 3. I love the first Thor. Mm. I really liked Avengers Assemble. Um, you know, I loved the first Iron Man as well. Um, but for me, it's these through lines that we've gotten in Captain America, Absolutely. which invests you, which makes this film, which is about a civil war, it makes it even more uh, interesting for me. Certainly. Because there's something at stake. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, we've got the through line uh, of Peggy Carter's character being a real motivator for Steve Rogers, um, you know, being the first love of his life and being taken away from her her by by him being frozen and him waking up and she has you know quite literally aged and moved on uh, away from him thinking he's been dead for you know 50 years mm-hmm. um and then the other is with bucky barnes you know steve rogers childhood and um, friend absolutely. his protector almost oh, uh, absolutely. and, and yeah. um you know All he wanted to do was fight in the front lines with his best friend exactly kind of a... and then with the winter soldier mm. so that 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 personal uh, investment in protecting Bucky Barnes, in protecting, um, in particular Bucky, not necessarily the Winter Soldier, knowing mm. what his friend has gone through, knowing how he worked with his friend in, in uh, Captain America: First Avenger, was pitted against him uh, when he in in Winter Soldier, and now is looking to be his savior in the Civil War. Absolutely. I really, really like this, and this is to me what makes these three films um, so uh, good, and as a whole, a really good trilogy. Because Absolutely. yes, everyone says they're all connected, but this is, I think, to me, a proper connection, a true connection, Certainly. and it really helps with the background of all these characters, and to help give a reason for why this civil war is happening, at least from the Captain America perspective Certainly. as well. And for that, I really, really, really liked uh, that. I think before I go on to Howard Stark, okay. though, and, and his storyline, because obviously that has a huge implication for this uh, movie. Oh, yeah. Um, is, yeah, don't know about uh, Steve, uh, Captain America kissing uh, Hayley Atwell's uh, niece, Um I actually, <laughs> I didn't realize they were so connected in mm. the comics, actually, because I must say I, I'm not a big Captain America comic oh, book fan. You just, um, you just have to go in and look at my comic box inside. Yeah, no, I know, I know, I know. But I just, I was like, she's only just been buried. Uh, like, no. no, I did. <laughs> I did. I was there going, but Peggy's just buried. I know. I know you have to move on and you probably weren't particularly you know yeah i just kind of felt okay he's moved on very quickly here you know let's um you know wait until (laughs) she's in the ground well yeah he's he's been back in our time i suppose he's been in our time now for you know eight years or so um i think there's a lot of kind of fun jokes out there about about cap possibly being a virgin because he was definitely hadn't been with anybody before he got into the army he became captain america then he got iced and sent to (laughs) <laughs> sent to the 90s well, yeah. so he's Old effectively guy. the 100 year old version is kind of yeah. the, uh, the the <laughs> gag that's out there you know um, but I love that it is Not that anymore. it is with Sharon no uh, I love that it is with Sharon uh, Carter 
because she has got such connection with him in the comic book. She's been around since the 60s. Um, again, introduced as Agent 13. Uh, wasn't until, I think, 1968 that she that she revealed the connection between herself and Peg, um, which I thought was quite cool. No, absolutely. And, I mean, I'm being slightly flippant. It's just, in the film, you see Peggy um, getting buried. Obviously, uh, Steve Rogers is carrying the coffin. So, you know, that doesn't... That honour isn't given to everyone. Um, mm-hmm. He's there... Um, Susan's looking down, speaking to him from the pulpit. Um, Susan? Is it Susan? <laughs> Sam, Sharon. Sharon. Sorry, Sharon. <laughs> is looking down Susan. from the pulpit, essentially, as you say, maybe saying some words that, quite frankly, could have come from, from Peggy's mouth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it really resolves him against the accords. Um, mm-hmm. And I suppose it's just very soon after he's, you know, I suppose who wouldn't, but, like, you know, given her... Um, Given her a kiss under the arches, um, and I suppose, I yeah, <laughs> I just I, thought it was a, a bit. It, it felt just immediately that it, it just happened immediately after right. um, Peggy had been laid to rest, mm. and I was like, oh, fast mover. Well, um, yeah. you know, he did travel enough. two countries, I think, in between that time. He I probably think. did, but, but fair enough. But yeah. it did lead up to a great moment between. Uh, are, are between Cap's two sidekicks between uh, between Falcon and Winter Soldier in the back of that ti- gi- that tiny tiny vehicle where they're stuffed into with their, oh, all their yeah. muscles, uh, where the two of them just kind of look at their best friend and give him a little wink, you know. Yeah, uh, really good. Got a great a great reaction from the audience. Uh, yeah, that was great. Actually, kind of, their reaction. Yeah, kind of cool to see these two. But it characters. would have been good if Bucky Barnes had kind of gone. <gasps> <laughs> That's her grandniece. <laughs> <laughs> but I do I do love the fact that these two characters themselves have a little bit of. To play between each other because again they're they're two partners uh, separated by sixty years um, yeah. of Captain America. You know, Bucky's his best friend, but Falcon's really taken on that role in the last. Uh, I suppose they've been around together for about two or three years. I suppose since um, since the Winter Soldier, uh, they must have been working together for about two or three years now. So I like that they have their own opinions and know what they think is best for uh, for Cap. Um, and I like that they have the interplay between each other. So in the fight with Spider-Man, for example, when Spider-Man takes the two of them out and, uh, and the Winter Soldier, sorry, and uh, Falcon uh, knocks out Spider-Man, takes him outside. Winter Soldier goes to him, um, why didn't you do that earlier on? And Falcon says, I hate you. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. great little moment between the two of them. But just to kind of show that there is a little bit of rivalry as to who's, who should be working with Cap now. Uh, I think it should be Falcon. I think there's still some, uh, still some things that Bucky has to sort out. Oh, definitely. Yeah. 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 A missing arm for one. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. Spoilers. <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. I think this whole podcast is spoilers. If you've joined it us really before is. the podcast um, and gotten this far, you- it's, Howard Stark yes. as well. Yeah. That is the other thing. Um, like, we have the death of Howard Stark and, and his wife. Mm-hmm. And we, this is like, I think just, it's so good um, because we see it right at the start where Winter Soldier takes out this car and then goes and grabs something from the boot. And we just see it as being uh, Captain America's blood, the, mm-hmm. the vials or the pouches of blood. Yeah. And just the reason why I know it's 1991, uh, the reason why it stuck in my head is because it's a couple of years after the Ant-Man flashback that had Peggy Carter and the one that had Peggy Carter and uh, Howard Stark in it. That happened in about 1989, 1988. So uh, it had to be just after that when, when Howard was Yeah, I, I think the real flashback to 64 is where the Winter Soldier is essentially having the brainwash take hold for the first time, where they're reading from the little red um, 
uh, communist book. Yes. And so yeah. that was really cool, sort of the different uh, key trigger words mm. to, to get his mind into Winter Soldier, death, death, kill, kill, kind yeah. of like stabby, stabby um, <laughs> kind of mode. Even so, though the last one was Freight Train, which is how he died. Yeah. Like he was taken out. Which is kind of weird. Mm, yeah. interesting. I guess I guess it's on moments from his past. I'd like to analyze that list. I'm sure I will when it comes out in Blu-ray. Uh, but I'm sure it's things that were connected in his life before he became. Everyone uh, the likes their soldier. trains, even Bucky Barnes, the Winter <laughs> Free Soldier. Trains. Exactly. Anyway, um, everyone has their niche. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is uh, you have that right at the beginning, and you're kind of going, okay, really interesting. What's this about? You know, you see the pouches uh, being taken, and you see that it's obviously for uh, developing more Winter Soldiers. And then right at the end, after um, Captain America and Bucky ha- have gone to this Soviet facility where all the other Winter Soldiers that have been created have been put into stasis, and you think that they're going to get released, and there's going to be this yes. army of Huge Winter Soldiers... Like They've all got a bullet through the head, and mm. and you have Zemo then, and um, just play the the footage of, of, of this takedown by the Winter Soldier of this car, and all of a sudden you realise that the passengers are uh, Tony Stark's mum and dad, Howard Stark and, and his wife, yeah, and like how um, Iron Man is there, he he's come because he's heard that actually, um, it is not Bucky Barnes who created the explosion in Vienna, that it is another person. And they they've found the 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 doctor that Zemo killed in order to infiltrate and, and reactivate the Winter Soldier effectively mm-hmm. with this little red communist book. And um it's all unraveling be- at the moment when they should be coming back together to fight as a team. This one tape destroys that um, that reconciliation in one foul swoop. And yeah. you get the amazing um, fight scene, which we saw a lot of in the, the trailers. Yeah. And it was just visceral. I mean, you have Bucky, uh, Winter Soldier, and, and um, Captain America beating down on, on uh, Iron Man. Just passing the shield back oh, and forth great. between the two of them. Absolutely fantastic. fantastic. But I have to say, when I saw it in the trailer, I was kind of going, yeah, take that Iron Man. <laughs> and where it really was, I was kind of going, he must have done something to, to annoy them or kind of get them really uh, off uh, off his side. He didn't. He's just been shown a video of his parents getting slaughtered, uh, his mother being strangled to death in a car. Yeah, really pretty tough. brutal. And a great moment from Robert Downey Jr., I must say. Um, yeah. Really, his acting in that scene, top, top quality. He is one of the one of the best actors, obviously, in the in the franchise. That's why he keeps keeps making the movies. Yeah. That's why so many people come back uh, for the movies. But that moment of I'm not going to stop here, Steve. He killed my mom. I don't care whether he was brainwashed to do it. I've just watched. What's happened to my parents, you know? And um, one thing I want to call out uh, quickly about this, um, early on, we see that scene when, when, uh, Tony's doing kind of a flashback with the, uh, with his technology to saying goodbye to his parents for the final time, the thing he didn't get to do, a kind of thing. How do you think that worked? This is a, this is the kind of technology that was used in Tron Legacy to de-age, um, uh, Lloyd Bridges? No, Jeff Bridges. Jeff, Jeff Bridges, Bridges, yeah. The brother. Um, <laughs> no, the son. Where DA... <laughs> that's right, yeah. <laughs> Bo Bridges is the brother. Uh, but the 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 technology that de-aged um, Robert Downey Jr. In, in that scene when he's kind of... Looks like he did back in the 80s. Yeah, I, I thought it worked. I thought it worked it really good, well. It? I mean, okay, you could tell it, obviously, that it's, it's some kind of special effects. Certainly. But then it worked. And, and then 
irrespective of the special effects and how good they are, it is to do with the fact that it was supposed to be a, a computer simulation yeah. and projection. So it didn't really matter in the end mm-hmm. whether you liked it or not. But I thought it looked really good. Yeah. I was just going to say, because I think it's one of those really smart things that Marvel tend to be quite good at when they're using pieces of technology that could look a little off when they use CGI that could be a little bit dodgy. They do have a kind of in in show reason or in movie reason to be to, for why it might look a little bit dodgy uh, and i like that they used it here where it's effectively well it's brand new yeah. technology it cost me 600 million to make this and i don't think it's that good it'll get better in the future that's actually what tony stark is saying to the audience don't worry about it this isn't something that you have to latch on to we're not going to be doing this so they can make young iron man movies in the future <laughs> now that they have the model of uh, of tony stark yeah. possible they might they might do that in future Robert Downey Jr. Big time um, like but, yeah it's really good how they do it and I mean I think two points for me on this as well that you know I really really liked uh, Bucky Barnes in this I, I thought really good and mm. I just I just like that um, that that transition between being the Winter Soldier and then trying to feel his way back to Bucky Barnes again. That to me was really good. I like the banter that he had with um uh with with uh, uh Falcon. Yeah. yeah. I loved all of that. Um and I think that final fight sequence, because I mean that is the big um that's the big reveal here. This and it's just him and Captain fighting on the basis of what Iron Man knows, and you're kind of these three people fighting. You're kind of going like this just can't end well, mm-hmm. um, and like quite frankly, it doesn't. I mean, Bucky has his arm, his metal arm ripped off, yeah. and Iron Man is essentially, I mean, almost you know, Captain America's shield through um, through his breastplate with with the the arc reactor in that there. So like he was going for Tony's head, and it so looked like he was trying to destroy the arc reactor so that Tony. Those fragments of um, shrapnel would start to move towards the heart, like really mm. uh, dangerous for Tony Stark. Yeah. So um, those, those have been removed, but yeah, maybe the, oh, the new arc reactor. Uh, yeah, the uh, end of Iron Man three, they got they got them removed oh, by the Chinese that. doctor. Remember? Um, I don't remember but, that now, but yeah, but okay. maybe this new smash on the chest could have created a brand new pieces yeah. of the arc so, reactor going towards the um, yeah. you know yeah. really really good I really liked uh, Bucky Barnes uh, in this movie mm-hmm. uh, really did and I thought it was portrayed so well and can um, I just once again give a huge shout out for that awesome theme tune that he has the uh, the really evil yeah. violins that are that kind of accompany at the entrance of the Winter Soldier love it yeah. love that theme uh, Sebastian Stan yes. isn't it uh, really good absolutely Really liked him in this. I, I can't emphasize that enough. And I think as well, as you say, Robert Downey Jr., um, he goes to a dark, dark place here. He's mm-hmm. quite um, he's quite melancholic, really. And I mean, even before um, the footage of seeing his, his mum and dad murdered, mm. um, you know, he, he he's resolved by the sobering um, reminder that he has killed... Um, millions of innocent people ultimately trying to protect them but you know when are uh, casualties of war um too much yeah. uh, certainly um innocent people people who are aren't the soldiers on the ground fighting you know that this uh collateral damage when is enough enough um, Absolutely. And, and i mean i love how he takes that up and, and on himself mm-hmm. and he becomes really 
dark and moody and brooding about it. Yeah. And he doesn't understand Captain America. I completely understand that. And I just loved how uh, uh, Robert Downey Jr. portrayed that. I thought it was excellent. And Certainly. I mean, then he becomes just so vengeful as well. You see the anger. Really good. Yeah, really yeah good. certainly. And I also like the fact that brought in another another reason for Tony to be in this dark place um, that he's in at the beginning of the film. Like, he was in a dark place at, at the end of, uh, of Iron Man 3 because of what happened in the Avengers, um, the flashbacks that he was having to to falling out of space, effectively dying uh, as he was coming back into the ground in New York. Uh, we find out that Pepper and himself are on a break, um, that himself and Pepper Potts are now broken up because he couldn't give up being Iron Man. Um, there is now a reason why he's back in the suit. Uh, but I like that they keep him out of the suit for quite a while in this film. Uh, I kind of think that's probably Robert Downey Jr. I think he wants to be on screen a bit more himself. Uh, he kind of feels like he's the he's a, he's an actor that wants to work with other people. Yeah. And a lot of the Iron Man stuff is done in a box with some lights shining in his face, uh, effectively. So I, I like that they, they created something specifically for that. This is the first time we've seen a fold-away helmet uh, where you see um, Tony Stark's head uh, on top of the body of Iron Man. It's not that he doesn't have to take off a helmet or uh, do something convoluted like that. He presses a button and the head's gone. So I like that little touch. Uh, but yeah, I loved Tony Stark in this. And he looks pretty battered and bruised. Like He gets, uh, a, he gets a punch reasonably yeah. earlier on, early on in the face. Um, and that kind of uh, leaves him with the proper big black eye for most of the rest of the film. But uh, but yeah, really tough moments in this film. I do think it's quite dark in places. Yeah. But with a good bit of humour, I love... The addition of Ant-Man and the addition of Spider-Man in there. Oh, fantastic. Really good. Yeah, as you say, they lighten it uh, up. Derek, what's your next point? So mine is another kind of connection to our podcast as well. We're currently covering Daredevil uh, Season 2 over on Netflix. And there's a scene within this movie, which is Bucky Barnes uh, related, that really had me thinking of a a scene within Daredevil. Can you you remember the scene, John? Can you think of what scene I might be talking about? Um, It's where Bucky's escaping... It's where Bucky's escaping from his apartment with the uh, with the battering ram that was used to bash down the door. Uh, he takes the battering ram off the first guy ah, and then okay. does the yes, circular do. fight all yeah. the way down the stairs. Down the stairs, with yeah. Cap following him down, yeah. trying to stop him killing uh, the guys. That is uh, from Daredevil season two, isn't it? Yeah. Episode three. I think it's episode three. Uh, yeah, episode two or episode three? Yeah, um, but it really does feel like as if Bucky is a mix of Daredevil and the Punisher in season two of Daredevil. Um, I love how he's taking people out and then. Cap does the reverse. Cap is uh, is Daredevil to his Punisher, where he's going. Can you please stop killing people? Yeah, that was die. that was very cool. Um, yeah, very cool. And I, I loved how he the the um, iron railings up the up the staircase. How he he just snaps them off and uses it uh, under his own weight to just drop down. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. It's very 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 cool. Pretty so cool. I should have checked it out. I meant to check it out for the podcast. If you're listening, please pop it into us. I'm sure um, that. Uh, Philip Silvera, who is the um, the stunt coordinator for Daredevil and for the Winter Soldier, I believe was involved in. Chris Brewster, I know, was involved in the in the Winter Soldier. Um, so I'm sure that team in some way were involved in particularly these scenes uh, where it is characters fighting against each other, not much CGI, yeah. as far as I could tell. Uh, but really good, really really enjoyed that scene. Um, John, do you want to take us on to your last point? Have we gone through five yet, listeners? I think we have. I'm coming up to my fifth. um, And actually, I'm just going to have to say, I've changed it round. So actually, my fifth is going to have to be um, uh, my one of my notes. Okay. Um, And that's the introduction of T'Challa and uh, the Black Panther. Mm -hmm. I thought 
it was great. I really, really enjoyed it. I loved that it wasn't just a cameo. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, this was proper integrated into the storyline, and I thought fur dues to, to Marvel for doing that. You know, um, a lot more screen time, much more integral to the storyline. I loved how, you know, he's there because of the death of his father, um, and and this this whole vengeance and revenge, you know, it, it takes place three times here. We have with Iron Man, we have with Zemo, and we have with T'Challa. Um, and I loved the the outfit. The costume was cool. Wasn't it brilliant? The movement, that chase scene under the um, in the tunnel. Oh, with the cars. Uh, with the cars, mm-hmm. with um, Bucky Barnes, Winter Soldier on on the bike. Oh, I loved it. It was just so. Oh, where Bucky exciting. grabs the handlebars, the bike flips it around and gets on. And that, yeah, so, and, and so. kind of you know, like a cat. Um, Black Panther just like swipes at the back wheel with 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 his with his paw with yeah. it and um just knocks the bike going. I loved it. I, I really thought it was excellent. Um, I loved his motivation. I loved how him and Zemo at the end, to an extent, they don't bond, that's the wrong word, but he understands why Zemo yeah. is doing what he's doing. But he realizes, as you said before, you know, you have to be taken in. There is too much now mm-hmm. in, in your heart. You know, he on realizing his mistake with Bucky, that it wasn't Bucky that did this, and um, is, you know, I have to give this up because yeah. I can be chasing my own tail like a little kitty on the lawn. Um, <laughs> so, you know, you're like, so you're like cats, is that uh, why you're wearing the outfit? I <laughs> love that from, the, from Falcon. That was great too. Yeah, I just really thought um, this is a fantastic introduction of the character um, into the Marvel Universe. Dare I say it, it would have been amazing if they'd done that with Doctor Strange. Um, I'm not bitter. Nope. I'm not bitter. Um, but I thought this was fantastic for, for Black Panther. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, a bigger part than Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, much. And much bigger, much more integral. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Spider-Man ultimately is a cameo, I think, in a, in a large sense of that, yeah. that word. But this giving is in- something to do, which is yeah. probably the big thing that I find different to the cameo here. The cameo in this film is Stanley. There's the only cameo. Yeah. Everybody else seems to have something to do. Yeah. Oh no. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. Um, but I just think Black Panther was much more central to the story. Certainly. Um, what did you think of that Stanley uh, cameo? It's a fun little gag. And I, I thought it's the worst one actually. Really? Yeah. Really. That we've had. Do you know you don't like Tony Stank? Huh? <laughs> I did see it on Twitter within about two days of the movie know. coming out. It didn't work for me. Um, I just, mm, just I think just him being in a well a UP, UPS or a or a DHL or whatever um, courier company it was with they probably that probably paid millions. Oh, I'm to sure have, they to have did. The placement of their, of their well, company. I, and you I just. <laughs> It felt shoehorned. Mm-hmm. It felt really hammy. Actually. I think. I think after the Deadpool but, cameo, but fine. I think after the Deadpool cameo, I don't think Stanley can make a cameo any better than that. No, well, that is true. He's, uh, reached, yeah. the, he's reached the, uh, the 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 ceiling now. I think, if I remember correctly, he's done that particular version of Stanley, the delivery guy. I think that was in either the Fantastic Four, first Fantastic Four film, or in the first Iron Man film. I think that was his cameo in one of those two. I really want to find that one out. So uh, so let us know again uh, over at feedback at DefendersTVPodcast.com or if you're watching live and you know it, just pop it into uh, into our Q&A or, or um, yeah, in that in that section there. That'd be great. Um, but yeah, the, the actual cameo itself, yeah, not great. It was just a little moment. But I like that it gave 
a little bit of release, I suppose, for the really sad moment between uh, War Machine and an Iron Man, effectively, where War Machine is, is kind of going, I'm the casualty of this war. Yeah, uh, everybody that was, else has that was pretty okay brutal, here, and I've got a broken back, you know. Yeah, that was pretty um, brutal. Yeah, and still willing to stay with his beliefs and still willing to be anti the accord or sorry pro the the civil war pro the pro the accords that's what it is um still willing to be pro yeah. them doesn't have any problem with being uh with being injured by this but knows it's going to be a tough road back for him um but did like that uh that part of it but black panther um and obviously with black widow for me like fantastic yeah. in, in this movie i know sorry to bring back to black panther my apologies i got sidelined there by stan lee but uh but black panther chadwick boseman i really think he had a great great uh role in this film uh the death of his father um after the explosion and him screaming at the sky with the really uh great frame scene a really sad scene i thought it really tore at me i'm trying to think his father's name i've just forgotten it, it not Chachanka. uh the King of Wakanda. King of Wakanda. We'll just call him that. Senior. So, no, it's it definitely checked. It's definitely got a TCH at the start, but I should remember this. But anyway, yeah. um, did really like that. Distracted by a ball of wool. I know. <laughs> I, know. Um, I know. But um, you know, I I really enjoyed um, Black Panther in this. So I'm really now. I mean. I don't have too many Black Panther uh, comic books. Um, mm-hmm. I don't okay. really um, know the character that well. Um, I think in some of the new Avengers, I think with the um, the Secret War, mm-hmm. I've come at it from those larger um, stories that utilize Wakanda and Black Panther in them rather than being um, or having standalone Black Panther uh, comics. Yeah. So um, it's... I was looking forward to the film, but I think even more so now, I'm really looking forward to the Black Panther film. And can I say, the claws are so oh. cool, especially, and you'll see it towards the end of the film, uh, especially the fact that his claws can actually penetrate Cap's shield, really shows the power of the... A kitty scratch on yeah, uh, yeah. Captain... Captain America's shield, yeah. Yeah, and speaking of which, uh, I think we're going to go into notes now. I think we've had our top fives. Is that okay? Well, I was just going to say oh, briefly sorry. on this, the other aspect of, of setting up Black Panther is we do get Martin Freeman um, yes, of course. In, in the movie as well, playing Everett Ross. And he mm. is a character from the Black Panther uh, comics and associated with uh, that world um, just as much. And, yeah. um, you know... It definitely felt like an intro here. I mean, for such a, a big name, obviously he's involved with Sherlock, so obviously he knows Doctor Strange. Mm-hmm. Um, and, he, and The Hobbit. And The Hobbit, yeah. Um, can't, he, keep it, can't keep apart the two of them, really. No, they can't, really. <laughs> so uh, I wonder if he will make it into the Doctor Strange uh, movie, never possibly. Know. You, never, you know. never know. But um, this really did feel like an introduction um, to Martin Freeman's character, and that maybe, you know, it, it's just setting... Uh, up this character for the Black Panther film for future Marvel films, uh, you know, in, in, in different capacities, I think. And um, so yeah. it, in some ways it was a bit odd. Martin Freeman's uh, role here. I was expecting more. Yeah. Given the, 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 how well known the, the actor is. But, um, I suspect this is kind of a little flavor of, uh, of the character and what he's about. Ultimately. Yeah. I felt, I felt a little bit disappointed because of, because I, I absolutely love Martin Freeman, to be honest. Uh, I yeah. felt a little bit disappointed that he, that we didn't get to see much of him on here, wondering if there are some extra scenes that we, that we didn't see, 
in in the film that we might see on Blu-ray maybe, um, because he seems to be generally the kind of playful character that would have other other scenes. Um, but yes, very likely that we'll see him in the upcoming Black Panther film, and hopefully we'll see him in October uh, when Doctor Strange comes out, definitely. Um, but with that, I think we're going to go on to a couple of little notes. Yeah, absolutely. the big thing about the Marvel Cinematic Universe is, what do you do at the end? You talk about the, the post credit scenes. Yeah. So we haven't talked about them yet. So it's the other big question for everybody when you're going to see a Marvel film. Do you stay to the end or do you leave halfway through or do you leave the minute the credits start or what? You always stay to the end if you're a Marvel fan. Uh, I did the first time when we saw the first movie and uh, first, so when we saw the movie the first time at the premiere and they didn't have two tags uh, in the cinema. They did have two tags. Going to spoil both of them in case you've only gone and did walk out before the final scene. Um, I want to say the mid-credits scene should have been part of the film. Yeah, um, I think I agree. It, it felt like it was edited and put out of place because there was maybe too many endings. Maybe it was I mentioned Lord of the Rings a couple of times in here, but um, maybe they felt it was a bit too Return of the King that that they had four endings there for Cap and, and for Iron Man. Um, so maybe that was the reason. But I really did feel the setup for Wakanda and for what was happening to Bucky Barnes was central to this film. Yeah, uh, we need to know that Bucky is under lock and key now in Wakanda, and that effectively the the proponents the for um for the for the accords will be coming to chase down the winter soldier they don't believe that he's done that, that that there's been any resolution here so if they find that he's in wakanda they're going to attack wakanda um that's what the whole scene's about really yeah. but cool images of the of the the uh, the country i guess yeah. wakanda yeah it's a country of course um cool images and as a black as a as a carolina panthers fan <laughs> uh, seeing the gigantic black panther right outside of the uh, the headquarters of uh, of t'challa was very cool because it looks exactly like what's outside uh, yeah. bank of bank of america stadium in, in, in charlotte no I, I i really liked that first uh, post credit scene and i completely agree it should have been at the end of the the movie the then the second one which is spider-man uh should have been the first post-credit um, scene mm-hmm. that we we have, um, and for me, anyway, um, this is probably the only podcast ever that will say it. I think it would have been really good to have had Doctor Strange. Well, yeah. Okay, I'm a big fan. If no, if you're, it's the first time you've listened, obviously, I cannot wait for October when Doctor Strange comes out. There will be absolutely no way I can hide that. Absolutely. Um, I actually thought this was the perfect opportunity and can I to say- further introduce Doctor Strange absolutely. to a wider audience by setting him up uh, in one of the post credit scenes. Mm. Um, and can that's I just what say- I thought. Yeah, no, I, and I, I didn't. I totally understand, but can I just say, if you were a first-time listener to our podcast and haven't heard John talk about Doctor Strange, pop on over to YouTube. We did a 31-minute um, <laughs> review of the two-minute teaser trailer for uh, for Doctor Strange. I'm sure we're going to be talking about Doctor Strange right the way up to its release date on 28th of October over here. Uh, but you, yeah, yeah, I can see what you mean. It is the next Marvel Cinematic yeah. Universe movie coming up. Um, but, so. however, so, in thinking it through, uh, my I have kind of accepted it now um, and actually think it may have been a good idea that they didn't have Doctor Strange. Mm-hmm. Um, however, at the same time, I still maybe there is a little bit of me that thinks, well, they still could have had 
Doctor Strange in there. Uh, and I'll give you the reasons. Okay. Um, the, the first one is, I don't think Spider-Man needs any setup. He is practically the biggest character in, in Marvel Comics, or one of them, at least. He is the biggest character in Marvel Comics. Yeah, absolutely. exactly. Yeah. Um, we all loved him in the movie. He was mm-hmm. there in the movie. Um, so he doesn't need that promotion as such. Okay. However... Of course, you're going to put him in the post-credit scene. So yeah. that's fine, absolutely, and that's why I think if they had just shuffled the deck or, um, and put the the first post-credit sequence at, as the end of the film, Tom Holland and Spider-Man with that for the homecoming, mm-hmm. or even kept it as the second one because obviously it did say Spider-Man will return, so that makes a lot of sense. But I didn't feel that, given that's at least. 18 months, two years away, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, isn't it 2017 Homecoming that they're, they're talking Next about year, now? Yeah. yeah. But Annie's the biggest character. I don't know whether it needed that promotion, and I would have liked to have seen a Doctor Strange. However, I thought if you introduce Doctor Strange, how do you do it? Because uh, then you kind of tag the timeline of this new Phase 3 film to one of the Phase... Uh, two characters i suppose and you know and it still would have been nice though however to have had something i i just had this vision that they would would see the sanctum sanatorium Mm. you would go through the the window of ashanti and there would be um dr strange there sat meditating because he stands above or away from i should say the civil war he's um, he, doesn't he doesn't get involved he sits on his ass but as playing. the camera moves forward yeah, uh, towards the the back of doctor strange towards the bookshelf mm-hmm. that you know all of a sudden the reality would fade into this other epic battle going on of nothing in particular but just showing that there are other things going on as well as Civil War. Yeah. I thought that would have been cool, but that would have just dated the the film Doctor Strange and, and may not have worked. Um, but... I think because, yeah, I think... I they, wish they had ultimately done right. a Doctor Strange course, thing, but I can accept that they didn't. Of course. I think, I think my... <laughs> <laughs> I think my thoughts on it, I suppose, are if we're going to see the origin of Doctor Strange in the film and we don't know when it's set... Um, if you say that, exactly. he, that he is Doctor Strange th- during this time, that means he has been active as Doctor Strange for a few years, uh, potentially, um, yeah. alongside Civil War. Whereas when we go to the movie in October, if it turns out, I have a feeling that this might happen, um, that actually Stephen Strange became Doctor Strange prior to Iron Man becoming Iron Man. And then it's effectively he is fully powered now when he joins them for the Infinity War, then maybe that, that's a reason to keep that under wraps until the Doctor Strange film. But I think they could have done something like brought in Dormammu, a sighting of him, brought in Mads Mikkelsen's unnamed character, a sighting of him. Exactly. One of those Something Doctor Strange. Like the way they did with the Collector for um, for Guardians of the Galaxy, yeah. his his brief moment. Something Doctor Strangey would have been re- really good. Um, but remember, Winter Soldier, um, they do say Stephen Strange. That's true. They don't say um, Doctor Strange, Sorcerer Supreme. Yes, they say um, Stephen's on the watch list. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's either that they know he's about to be become so powerful mm-hmm. or he already is even then. So, And they're still referring to him as Doctor Stephen Strange. Yeah. So 
he has popped up in the Marvel mm-hmm. universe in dialogue. I so it would have been nice for me. But absolutely. hey, sure, we got a teaser trailer of two minutes, so I'm absolutely stoked with that. Definitely, Abs- absolutely. But I do want to talk really quickly about. The Spider-Man, the one we did get, the actual yeah. uh, Spider-Man that was um, cool. post-credit scene. It was great fun. I like the fact, the reason why I like it particularly is because you started off in Aunt May's apartment. He was visited by the richest man in the world. A billionaire comes to your home, takes you away. You come back. <laughs> so I like the fact that they show the aftermath of what happened, which is a great little gag from Tom Holland, which is, um, uh, which is, uh, you got, you must have got hit pretty hard. Yeah, he was a big guy that hit me. <laughs> yeah. Like a huge, he yeah. was huge at me. Uh, love that. And then we see that he gets his little, uh, his little spider, um, what do you call it, spider spotlight, uh, yeah. which looks exactly like something out of the 80s cartoon, I must say. Uh, but a nice little touch again. That was cool. Basically, Tony is still upgrading uh, his suit ongoing. So Tony's going to be involved in uh, in Spider-Man Homecoming. We know that that's been confirmed that Robert Downey Jr. is going to make his next appearance in uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. So uh, so quite cool. I think that's a, that's a nice little touch. A good little gag, but it does speak of a bigger uh, the next film and does speak of the next yeah, uh, uh, a time. next film and the next bit of the universe. Yeah. Um, no, the the post credits were really good. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, there was no no swarma here. There yeah. was no um, maybe they should have done three post credit scenes. Really push the boat out. Yeah. Phase three, three post credits. <laughs> maybe uh, there was no Mark Ruffalo falling asleep, being told the story by uh, by Tony Stark. <laughs> Two of the ones that I know you particularly yeah, disliked. Swarma, Swarma particularly disliked. But one other note from me, um, which I just didn't mention, just because we kind of missed it in the fighting discussions that we talked about. Um, yeah. But the moment with Tony when he says to to Cap. Uh, you're not able to carry that uh, that shield. My dad made that shield for you. Heartbreaking oh, moment, big time. wasn't it? Just, yeah, just yeah. to bring it all back to to Howard. Um, but again, another great Howard moment, which is uh, which is just to lighten lighten us up towards the end of this. Which is uh, as Scott Lang says to says to Tony, I was told by my boss Hank Pym. Never trust a Stark. And Tony's response to him is, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> Which I love. Anyway, uh, overall, I, I think it's time. Oh, sorry. No, I've got two more notes. Two more notes. Two more notes. Um, I must say, I did laugh. Um, I, I laughed with Captain America and his guns as he was pulling the um, helicopter oh, wow. towards the building. He's there. Uh, I kind of wondered whether he was going to lift them up and kiss them. Um, <laughs> I really, really did enjoy that. Uh, absolutely. Um, I thought that was good fun, um, yeah. even though I suppose he was doing a serious thing. But like, it was. I was expecting him to kiss his guns, basically. But Chris Evans did talk about that scene and said it was one of the most painful scenes to shoot because you got to stay in that particular pose tensed, for, yeah. tensed for a couple of hours. You know, he said he could hardly walk afterwards. That's a great scene. But great, again, great view. Again, totally great view. Uh, but again, I love the fact that the helicopter crashes over his head and it, it looks really dangerous, yeah, doesn't yeah. it? It looks Big like time. he's about to get hurt uh, pretty badly there. But yeah, I really enjoyed that. And then... Uh, my final note is Kerry Condon as uh, Friday. Oh, of course, we did. Um, yeah, like she was introduced in Age of Ultron uh, as the new um, uh, voice Jar- of Jarvis, mm-hmm. um, and I loved again 
just the the vernacular of the of Irish Friday with yes boss uh, and your suits knackered. I mean, really, really good. Yeah. And um, so it was great to have um, Friday back, yeah. uh, played by or voiced by Kerry Condon. Uh, really cool. Any of our listeners that joined us for uh, for our Age of Ultron Ultron podcast will remember our discussions about uh, about an Irish voice over for uh, for Tony Stark. <laughs> but yeah, your uh, your your repulsors are knackered, boss. Yeah. Yeah, that was, was quality. Uh, really, really good. And actually, I've got one final one, and oh. that's the continuing um, uh, alumni of Community. Actually, yes. Um, we have uh, is it yeah Jim Rash, Dean Pelton uh, doing his cameo there from Greendale College. I love the fact that he goes from being the dean of Greendale College to essentially the dean of. Uh, MIT. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Um, and obviously, we had Abed in The Winter Soldier, and obviously uh, the Russo brothers were producers on Community. That's so that right. you know, s- some of the uh, the actors from Community showing up in, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Dean Pelton, obviously being uh, one of my favourites. Yeah, so it's really good to, to have him. So, we've got our notes, we've got our points done. We always end off our episodes with one question. John, do you defend Captain America Civil War? I do defend. Really? Um, I really do defend uh, Captain America Civil War. Um, I absolutely give this 4.5 Spider-Man, uh, or Spider-Men even, out of 5. <laughs> um, I just thought, for me, this is the best Marvel trilogy um, to date, Um I love a lot of, of the other films, but um, this was just really, really cool. And mm. um, I felt that it really pulled the threads through of Peggy, of Howard, all the way through, and obviously uh, for Bucky Barnes as well. It really made it meaningful. We had a great introduction of the Black Panther, T'Challa. And we had... Um, Ant-Man going from small to giant size and Paul Rudd being fantastic. And um, I loved the, 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 the main antagonist here, which was Zemo, but just the fact that as well, in addition to that, it was, um, the, the Avengers. The Avengers were the uh, antagonists. Uh, and it just set up so well. And um, it's a nice through, uh, thread from, uh, Age of Ultron as well. Mm-hmm. So, this to me was really good. Um, I just, I just found it really good. And ultimately I would have come down on team Romanoff. I would have been uh, with the black uh, widow, probably on the side of, of, um, Iron Man, but absolutely realizing that team cap was also, uh, yeah. my friends and I would want to at least give them the benefit of the doubt and try and protect them and stop them from getting arrested as much as possible. So yeah. team Romanoff. Right. I never thought I'd say it, but Team Romanoff. <laughs> Absolutely. Derek, do you defend um, Captain America's Civil War? You know what? I, I'm, I've been going back and forth on whether this is the best Marvel Cinematic film, film or is that uh, Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier blew me away. I'm a huge Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. fan. I'm a huge fan of the idea of HYDRA. Huge fan of a book called uh, Nick Fury versus S.H.I.E.L.D., and the Winter Soldier was that book brought to life and yeah. extra pacing added, extra characters added. And this movie is Civil War done so well. They've treated each of the characters so well. I know I'm going to watch this another five, six, ten times and love every moment of it. I know I am. Um, so I'm still tossing up whether I like this as 
our number one film or number two, but it is right up there in my top two films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So do I defend it? I absolutely defend it. A couple of tiny little things that we forgot to talk about, obviously. The Vision and Scarlet Witch, who are yeah. partners in the comic books, uh, they have their moments when they're sitting around and cooking dinner for each other, which is which is really cool. Uh, nice little moments. All of the characters get a moment, and it's the best performance from Chris Evans that we've seen in these films, and I love Chris yeah. Evans. It's the best performance that we've seen from Robert Downey Jr., and I love Robert Downey Jr. What more can you ask for? In a film, I, I can't imagine getting anything better from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So yes, absolutely, I defend. And I think with that, it's time to close out our podcast. Thank you absolutely. so much for listening. Thanks so much for joining. You can rewatch the podcast over on YouTube. Just absolutely. go to YouTube, search for Defenders TV Podcast. You can subscribe to our podcast, our audio podcast. We're at episode nine of Daredevil, which should be released tomorrow. Uh, just subscribe over on iTunes. If you're an iTunes fan, search for Defenders TV Podcast or go to DefendersTVPodcast.com slash iTunes. Or you can come and join us on any other good or evil or cat, Team Cap or Team Iron Man podcast catcher uh, and search for Defenders TV podcast and you can come and join us for any of our thoughts on Daredevil. Exactly. And in addition, uh, come and join our Facebook group. Go to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Defenders TV podcast. Get involved, leave some discussion, comment with other members of the group. Um, you know, provide comments. And of course, you can join us on uh, Twitter at DefendersCast as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us. This has been fantastic. Good fun. Thanks, John. Yeah, really good fun. Uh, again, our third foray now into um, the world of YouTube. <laughs> so we're still experimenting, uh, but it's been great fun. Yeah. Uh, again, thank you so much for watching. And thank you so much for listening. Yeah. For If you listen to the podcast, um, we will be back next time with episode nine of Daredevil. And just as an added extra, John, you have to show your T-shirt. You have to stand up and show your T-shirt. Ah, no. <laughs> I can't even. Are you stuck? It's <laughs> Team Iron Fist. Got to be the Iron Fist. And you see mine is, is Team Shield and Team Hydra. So, yes. So there you go. That's our closeout for the podcast this week. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll be back again with Daredevil very soon. Absolutely. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye.